Okay, it's good to have everybody here this Mother's Day. Uh, today, as we move forward into the Sermon of the Mount, uh, I'm just going to spend uh, one more Sunday kind of leading into it before we actually hit the first of the Beatitudes. And uh, today I want to talk to you about on the, on the theme of being happy. Being happy. When I was a kid in the 80s, um, the song came out, Don't Worry, Be Happy. You guys remember that? It's another song. Great song. Now, when I talk about happiness or being happy, I think some of you are like, oh, no, no, well, God doesn't guarantee us happiness. I mean, he, he's, you know, he wants us to be more like Christ. Well, that's true, right? God is certainly, I think, more concerned about your holiness than anything, right? That's the promise that you'd be conformed into the image of the Son. But I will say this, those who are growing in holiness are growing in happiness. Let me say it again. Those who are growing in holiness are going to grow in happiness. How many of you want to be happy? All right. Great. So this is an easy audience. Let's pray and then see how God uh, would teach us this morning. Father, we thank you so much for this day that we recognize the special gift of motherhood and mothers. Lord, we're so thankful uh, for the way that you have raised up uh, godly mothers who in turn, have raised up another godly generation um, according to your grace and for your glory. And Lord, I, I just pray now for the mothers in the room. Lord, I know that oftentimes motherhood is fraught with feeling insufficient, inadequate, unable, not good enough, like a failure. Uh, but Lord, we know that your grace is sufficient, Lord, that your power is perfected in any weakness, Lord. And so I just pray for encouragement for the mothers today, Lord, that their strength would be in you, that their trust and their hope would not be in their own abilities, but in, in, in you and your promise to give them wisdom and to give them strength to do the job that you've called them to do. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, please teach us this morning what it means to be happy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you go uh, and look on the internet, there's no shortage of quotes on happiness. Another thing about happiness that came out when I was a kid is Charles Schultz of of uh, Charlie Brown, wrote a book called Happiness Is, right? And it was a warm puppy, you know, it's kind of, you know, real kind of sappy. Uh, but Happiness Is, I had a book as a kid, Happiness Is, and there was all these different things. Oscar Wilde, he was, uh, he'd fit in right now in this day and age in our culture. Uh, he says, some cause happiness wherever they go, others whenever they go. Have to think about that one for just a minute. Whoever said money can't buy happiness didn't know where to shop. Gertrude Stein, um, she was an author. Um, one of her books was A Rose is a Rose is a Rose is a Rose. That's the, one of her quotes. Um, there's some, a truism there. Dave Barry, he's a, uh, he's a writer. He's kind of a funny writer, and he does some political commentary as well. He says, my therapist told me the way to a true... Achieve true happiness is to finish what I start. So I finish two bags of M&M's, a chocolate cake, and I feel better already. I would have to throw in ice cream there somewhere. Moving to a little more serious note, uh, a French writer says this, nothing prevents happiness like the memory of, of happiness, right? So We've had a happy moment, and we want to reproduce that happy moment, but we can't reproduce it, and so it makes us sad because we can't have that same moment that we had, right? How many of you have been there? You're like, you've tried to reproduce a special moment, 
And it just, it just isn't there, right? And I think that really happens at Christmas time, right? You have this vision of this time of Christmas when you had the most perfect Christmas and you were so happy and you can't seem to reproduce it. And so it's, you're just not happy. Ken Hubbard was the, uh, in the earlier in the, in the 19th, early, early 20th century. He's a funny guy, right? One of his sayings is this. He says, the safest way to double your money is to fold it over and put it in your pocket. So he's, he's that kind of guy, right? But he says, it's pretty hard to tell what does bring happiness. He says, poverty and wealth have both failed. There's no end of the comments on happiness with respect to wealth. So as we look at the Beatitudes and we consider what Jesus has to say to us, that word blessed, if you take that word and, and, and take it and look at what it means in the Old Testament, it, it, you can't get escape the fact that it means to be happy. It means to be happy. Now, again, we have, to, we have to understand happiness according to God, not according to what the world says happiness is. And so each of those statements of blessed is, is happy. Happy. But I'll read it as we have it in the NIV. He said, Jesus, as he began the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for this, in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We would have to admit and agree that the world is on a search of happiness. What you do really is based on what's going to make you happy. The whole world is on a mad quest for security and happiness. Jonathan Edwards says it this way. He says, the soul of every man craves happiness. He begins that particular quote by saying this. He says, it's universal. It's an appetite of human nature. That's alike in the good and the bad. He goes on to say, there is no rational being without love and a desire for happiness. It's impossible that there should be any creature made that should love misery and not happiness since it implies a manifest contradiction. For the very notion of misery is to be in a state that nature abhors. The notion of happiness, and this is an important statement I'm about to make, and I'll come back to it again. The notion of happiness is to be in such a state as is most agreeable to your nature. The notion of happiness is to be in a state that is most agreeable to your nature. Now, what are you saying, Jay? Well, you got to stay tuned. Don't check out on me so that I can lead you down the road that I want to lead you down. Blaise Pascal, he's the French mathematician who also wrote a lot of things. He says, all men seek happiness. All humans seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to. To this end. And he goes on to say, in seeking this happiness, say, the cause of some to go to war and others of avoiding war. 
It is the same desire in both, attended with different views, right? They seek war for happiness. They not go, don't go to war because they want to be happy. The will never takes the least step but towards happiness. This is the motive of every action of every man, even those who are going to hang themselves. It is even the person that's going to commit suicide. They are seeking happiness, right? They, they want things to be better, different. They want happiness. They want the suffering to end. Or perhaps they feel so isolated, they want to injure people who have isolated, but they're seeking happiness even in ending their own life. So, the question is, for me, as I look at this and consider happiness, if everybody in the world is seeking happiness, then why is it that people aren't finding it? Why is it? Everybody's searching for it, but it's so elusive. One Texas millionaire confided, I thought money could buy me happiness. I've been miserably disillusioned. Right? We'd all agree that money makes things easier. And again, I'm going to talk about it later. It's not that you don't find some happiness in these things, but is it lasting happiness? Or is it like cotton candy? You get the sugar rush and it's gone. One famous film star broke down, I have money, I have beauty, glamour, and popularity. I should be the happiest woman in the world, but I am miserable, right? You look at all these influencers on Instagram and whatever social media, and they seem like they have it all. They've definitely got money because you keep looking at them on Instagram. They've got the looks. They've had the surgery. They're selling the products, and you think they would be the happiest people in the world, but then you read five years later that they were in the most miserable condition they've ever been, and they couldn't find happiness. There's a man who went to a psychiatrist. He said, doctor, I'm lonely, I'm despondent, I'm miserable. Can you help me? And the psychiatrist says, yeah, I, you know, I'm going to talk to you, but I've got some immediate help for you. There is a circus in town, and there is a clown at that circus, and he makes everybody laugh. You just need to laugh because laughter is good medicine. And the man paused. He said, I am that clown. I am that clown. When I, when I read this quote, I thought about Robin Williams. Nobody has ever made me laugh as hard as Robin Williams. And he was bound in depression and unhappy. So what's the problem? Everybody's seeking happiness and nobody can find happiness. What is the problem? Well, the problem is that happiness is sought as the goal, but it's not enjoyed as the byproduct. Happiness is sought as the goal, but it's not should not be the goal. It is the byproduct of a life devoted to obedience to God. Oh, Jay, that's too simple. That cannot be what brings happiness. Well, the scripture is truth. God's word is truth. So Solomon, you guys know Solomon? He had everything. I mean, every time we talk about Solomon, we talk about his wealth. You just read about him. He's just so much. There was... Anything he wanted, he just says, I want that, right? Within the realm of what existed at the time, he could have it. People were flocking to him. He experienced everything that a person could experience from a sensory perspective. He had tons of women. He built everything he ever wanted. Just filthy rich. And he lives his life as, to that point, the wisest man who ever, ever lived. 
And, and what did he say as he contemplates his life of everything he could ever want? He says, I, I found that it was frustratingly enigmatic. In the words of the King James, it was vanity. Like it seemed like it would, bring, and it was gone to bring me happiness. And so at the end of Ecclesiastes, which is really his testimony to a life given over to seeking happiness as a goal, not, you know, a byproduct. He says, now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or is evil. See, Solomon in his pursuit of happiness, and that's what he was pursuing. I mean, you could say he was pursuing meaning, but he was trying to find happiness in meaning, okay? And he was seeking happiness in the horizontal, not the vertical. And God had to bring him to a point where he saw that happiness truly came as the end goal was his vertical relationship with God. And so what is true of Solomon is true of the rest of humanity. Inasmuch as humanity seeks happiness in the created things, life will be frustrating. Now when I say frustrated because you're seeking life in the created things, I'm not saying that you're not going to have any happiness whatsoever. But those things that what you're seeking that will give you ultimate happiness are always going to leave you short nagging. There'd be this nagging. You know, I've, I've had this experience, and we've been there before, right? You've been there where you've had this moment where, like, this is great. This is awesome. But is, it, is this all there is? I need more. My wife and I were joking around about one of my lovely children. I'm not talking about your Elizabeth, so you can leave. <laughs> now, our oldest daughter, she didn't understand this, Caitlin. And maybe you've been there, maybe you can relate to this. It's Christmas Day and the last present is open and you're kind of looking at everything. And I can remember one year, my daughter, Caitlin, just, just start, starts crying. I'm like, well, what's wrong, sweetheart? Do you, is there something you didn't get? I mean, is that why you're crying? No, it's 364 more days until Christmas. Like, she, she wanted more. She wanted it again, right? So she had all this and now she wanted more. There was this nagging sense of, you guys laugh at my daughter. You've been there before. So Jonathan Edwards, uh, that quote that I gave you earlier, right? So, so everybody's seeking happiness, and they can't find happiness. And it's because they're seeking as, in, as, as the goal or the end, not as a byproduct. And I said to you that true happiness is found as you obey the commandments of God. And I mentioned that it's a part of, of your nature. Let's go back to this quote. Jonathan Edwards says this, The notion of happiness is to be in such a state as is most agreeable to your nature. Now, was Jonathan Edwards having a bad day when he wrote that? Because you think of the human nature, you're thinking, well, we're sinners, right? We've all fallen short of the glory of God. How could could happiness be in agreement with our nature? Well, he's talking about uh, first things, first order things, that which is radical or at the root, the most basic things. Let me illustrate it this way in our search for happiness in accordance to our nature, right? We're warm-blooded beings, you go outside, and it's February, and you go outside in the cold, 
And because you're warm-blooded, when you stand out in the cold for a long period of time, what happens? You start to get miserable, right? Because your nature is that you're warm-blooded. So what do you do? You seek warmth. You go inside. You get more clothes on, right? You seek happiness by getting which is closer to what is your nature. So if you take it to a spiritual level or a first-order level, right, we're all created in the image of God. All of us are created in the image of God. We're, we're what we call, I would say, dichotomous beings. We are both material, the physical, and spiritual. There's two. There's, dichotomous means two. So we have two natures, material, spiritual, and we're created in the image of God. And friends, that which is material can never ultimately satisfy or never satisfy that which is spiritual. This is just an axiomatic truth. The material can't satisfy the spiritual. When we attempt to solely satisfy God-given longings with that which is created, the material, then the soul will continue to long, right? We, we have this longing, okay? We have this longing that's within us, okay? And we try to satisfy it with that which is created. That longing is given to us by God to direct us to God, but we are seeking things on the horizontal level, and it becomes cyclical, right? You seek the material, you get some satisfaction in it, but it's not ultimately satisfying. And so you go back to the same thing, you have a longing, and you're in this cycle that you can't get out of, and that's where the world is, So, as beings created in the image of God, we function the best when we function according to the way God has created us. Our nature, listen to me, our nature is this. We are created in the image of God. And so, in as much as we emulate what it means to be like God, live out what it means to be His image bearers, our nature, then we are closest to that which brings us happiness. We're living out our being, who we are, who we're created to be. Our nature is that we are creating God's image, and that which is in agreement with our nature is that which brings us the happiness that God intends. This, is, this may sound deep, but this is not that deep, okay? Because I'm going to make it simple for you in just a second. And so here's my simple statement on happiness. Happiness results... When your will agrees with the will of God. I think the Muslims have it right in this respect, right? Islam means what? Submission. Okay, it means submission. So as we submit our will to the will of God, saying, God, you created me, you own me, you're the lawgiver, you're not an ogre, the laws that you have given are designed so that I prosper, so that I have peace, so that I have shalom, inasmuch as I agree with your will and live out your will. I'm living out my nature, and that's how I move towards happiness. And so, back to the diagram, right? We have a longer desire. We satisfy it vertically. We have happiness. The way that God wants us to have happiness. And so, as those created in the image of God, as those who are righteous because we are in Christ, Jonathan Edwards says this, and I already read this, but I'm trying to focus on a certain point. He says, but the righteous are not so. In other words, the righteous aren't seeking happiness through the horizontal, through the material. The righteous are not so. These only have the wisdom to find the right paths to happiness. 
the right path is important. There is a path to happiness, friends. The world doesn't determine it. You don't determine it. The next Instagram influencer doesn't determine it. God has determined it before the foundation of the world that begins through his son, Jesus Christ. He is the word. And as you come to him, the word, and live out the word, then you have happiness. That is the path to happiness. Again, please forgive me. is another long quote, but Jonathan Edwards nails it on this. Jonathan Edwards, he's like the top dog theologian who ever lived in the United States. He is the man. He's a deep thinker. Jonathan Edwards writes, the wisest men, the wisest men that do these, those things that make for the... I'm sorry, let me start over. The wisest men that do those things that make the most for their happiness, listen, and this in effect is acknowledged by all men in the world, for there is no man on the earth who isn't earnestly seeking after happiness. We're all seeking after happiness. And it appears abundantly by the variety of ways that they so vigorously seek after it. They will twist and turn in every way, ply all instruments to make themselves happy. Some will wander all over the face of the earth to find it. They will seek it in the waters and on the dry land and under the waters and in the bowels of the earth. And although the true way to happiness lies right before them, and they might easily step into it and walk in it and be brought into as great a happiness as they desire and greater than they can conceive of, yet they will not enter into it. You understand what he's saying? Men and women have done everything they can to find happiness. And the path to happiness is right before them. But the nature of sin says, no, that's not going to bring you happiness. They try all the false paths. They will spend and be spent, labor all their lives, endanger their lives. They will pass over mountains and valleys and go through fire and water, seeking for happiness among vanities, and are always disappointed, never finding what they seek for. You're like fools and madmen. They violently rush forward, still in the same ways. But the righteous are not so. Who are the righteous? Those who have come through Jesus Christ. The righteous are not so. These only have the wisdom to find the right paths to happiness. That path to happiness is obedience to God and his commands. Solomon says this. Again, let's go back to this text. He says, fear God. This is the conclusion of the matter. Again, when he says this is the conclusion of the matter, he has lived a full life. He has experienced all those things that people said, this will make you happy. And he says, empty, vanity, foolishness. Don't go in that direction. If you want true happiness, you live in accordance to your nature. Your nature is you've been created in the image of God. You need to live out what it means to be created in the image of God. How do I know how to do that? Well, first you have to come through Jesus Christ. And then you live in obedience. Fear God and keep his commandments. And he says, This is the duty of all mankind. So Solomon tells us, true wisdom, because he was the wisest man who ever lived, true wisdom begets true happiness. True wisdom 
begets true happiness. What is true wisdom? It's applying God's word. It's knowing God's word, applying it to your life in obedience. So when we read that word duty, what comes to your mind when you think of duty? I have a duty to vote. I have a duty to clean up my dishes after I eat. I have a duty, you know, I have a duty to keep my yard clean. I have a duty to do this and that. We think of, ugh. Maybe I should put delight. This is the delight of all mankind. But he says, no, it's, it's duty. It is it's what we're called to do, right? God is your creator. He owns you. He's given his law, which is not meant to suppress you. It's meant to cause you to flourish. Your duty as being owned by God, creating his image, is, is to do what he says. right? And that rubs against you the wrong way. Somebody telling you what to do. You know what I'm talking about. Psalmist says, this is the duty of all mankind. Though the word duty can seem repulsive to our fallen nature, it is the duty to be happy that I'm talking about. Everything about that as a Christian, you have a duty to be happy. Christians should be the happiest people in the world. You have a duty to happiness. And how glorious glorious the happiness is. And that word happiness is the word blessed in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful. You will be happy if this is what characterizes you. It's not, I have to work to get a happiness. It's no, you've come to Christ. Your heart has been transformed. You've been given the new birth. You have the capacity to, to have the happiness that God wants from you. But it only occurs in as much as you obey. And again, last week, remember we talked about that word happiness, blessed. I'm going to go through it again. Because as we go through the Sermon on the Mount together, friends, I don't want you to approach it from, like, this is so hard. This is so cumbersome. He says this, and he says that. I have to live this way, and I have to live that way. And this is too much. Look at it like the one who created you, the one who died for you is saying, look, I have an amazing life for you. I have the purest happiness you could ever experience. But you just need to do things the way I tell you to. You just need to obey me. So, this quote, let me read it again. I think it's important. Makarios, the word blessed or happy, then describes that joy which has its secret within itself, that joy which is serene and untouchable and self-contained, that joy which is completely independent of all the chances and the changes of life. The English word for happiness, the happiness of the world knows, gives its own case away. It contains the root hap, which means chance. Human happiness is something which is dependent on the chances and the changes of life, something which life may give and which life may also destroy. The Christian, however, the Christian blessedness is completely untouchable and unassailable. No, Jesus said, no one, Jesus said, will take your joy from you. The Beatitudes speak of that joy which seeks us through our own pain, that joy which sorrow and loss and pain and grief are powerless to touch. That joy which shines through tears and which nothing in life and death can take away. And again, last week I said, I want that, don't you? And in fact, it's not optional. You have a duty because growing in holiness is growing in happiness. 
I think sometimes in Reformed Christianity, like we talk a lot about suffering and it's from God, it grows us in holiness, right? We get that. Those who are brothers and sisters of Christ are going to suffer just like he suffered. And, and there's a place for that, right? But friend, God's, God's given us all things richly to enjoy. He's given us so much. And he wants us to experience those things. But in the way that he's determined that, keeping him as the goal and glorifying him as the goal, but enjoying all those things on the way. So happiness is a duty. As you consider happiness and what happiness means, understand there's a path that's been determined by God. And that path is the entrance to the kingdom. It's a kingdom of happiness. I'm not making light of this. It is a kingdom of happiness. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is a kingdom of happiness. An unhappy Christian is almost, I don't know if I say this, almost an oxymoron. It should not be the case. Certainly, friends, and I want to be real about this, there are times when life circumstances get difficult with emotions of sorrow, grief, and pain. That's real. That's a part of our experience. There will be days when happiness, like the sun, is clouded by the tears and concern for the future. However, if you're pursuing the right path, those clouds will break. Right? There is sorrow. It lasts for a nighttime, but joy comes in the morning. That happiness will come. Only if you're pursuing the right path. As Christians, we must and we are to be applauded when we pursue happiness with zest and vigor. We should be pursuing happiness. You're not living a, a sub-Christian, sub superficial Christian Cultural Christian, if you're pursuing happiness the way that God's prescribed, then you're doing what you should be doing. As Christians, we ought to achieve the greatest levels of happiness with the things that God has provided for us, right? The material things aren't bad. They're good, right? Spouses, marriage, sex, children, food, ice cream especially, right? Relationships. All these things are given by God. They're good. Pursue them with gusto and vigor according to God's path because that's the path of happiness. Again, as Christians, we ought to achieve the greatest levels of happiness. Why? Because we know the path. To be happy. So perhaps today, you're unhappy because you know you're on the wrong path, right? You know, one of the great schemes of Satan is to make you think you're on the right path. Because that's what, that's what he does, right? This, this, is, this is what's going to bring you joy. That, that relationship, I know, some people say you shouldn't have it, but that relationship is going to bring you the most joy, happiness. He's, he's always lying and deceiving, right? The thief comes, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan doesn't want you to be happy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but what? Jesus says, I've come that you can have life. I, I quoted this last week, life to the full. So that's the path Jesus wants for you, and you don't need to be ashamed of that. I want life to the full. What are you doing today? I'm living life to the fullest. So, if you know you're on the wrong path, I love this passage in Isaiah. God says, Come. That thirstiness that you've got, that thirstiness is given by me to you. I've given you that thirstiness. 
Not so that you can satisfy it in those horizontal things, but so that you can satisfy it in me. And it doesn't cost you anything, but it cost me, my son, Jesus Christ. Cost his life. It says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You have no money, come buy and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without money, without cost. It's a free offer. God isn't being stingy with happiness. You just have to go in the right direction. So your responsibility today, on Mother's Day, I want you to have a happy Mother's Day. Your responsibility as a Christian is to be as happy as you can possibly be. I'm going to finish with a quote by a guy named Samuel Storms. He says, your responsibility as a Christian is to be as happy as you can possibly be. In fact, it is impossible for you to be too zealous for happiness or inordinately committed to the pursuit of pleasure. That sounds kind of weird. You need to pursue pleasure according to God's path. Your pursuit may be misdirected, as is the case when you prefer passing pleasures of sin to the excellencies of God. But your desire for happiness cannot be too strong. God's creative design was that your ravenous appetite for pleasure find fulfillment in Him. For nothing more wonderfully reveals God's glory than the joy of of the creature, us, and the creator, God. And God wants you to be happy. You just have to pursue it in his path. And that begins through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And friends, when you come to him in faith, you enter into that kingdom of happiness. A kingdom of happiness. Amen? So we're going to sing, Thank You, Jesus, next. Um, and one thing that robs happiness is ingratitude. I can tell you that. If you're walking around thinking God's withholding this and that, and I'm miserable hearing that, you're not going to be a happy person, that's for sure. So we're going to thank, sing thank you, Jesus, for all that he's done for us so that we can be happy people. So let's stand together and sing.